All right, let me tell you this joke. Um, so there was this church who had a picnic, and they invited everyone in the community to come. And the pastor placed a basket full of apples on one end of a table, and he put a sign next to it that said, Take only one apple, please. Remember, God is watching. And on the other end of the table was a plate of cookies where one of the kids placed a sign saying, Take all the cookies you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> God is watching the apples. <laughs> Hi, I'm Randall Sims, and this is my podcast. Jesus, the Christ, at the cross of Calvary, purchased eternal life for you and for me. Life more abundant. That life has already begun, so why wait until the afterlife to live that life to the fullest? Welcome to the most impatient Christian podcast in the entire world. This is Christ Life Now. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, the scripture says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is, his remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We live in a society today in which it seems that everything has a price. In fact, you may have heard it said, you can't get something for nothing. Or, you'll get what you paid for. Everything has an assigned value. Everything has a worth. And it's true. You can't expect to have a home if you don't pay your monthly mortgage. You shouldn't expect to have a vehicle if you're not willing or not able to offer the car salesman a reasonable amount for it. I can't have the expectation of having a nice, thriving vegetable garden this summer unless I first meet the expectation of tilling the ground, planting, fertilizing, and weeding. If I want homegrown tomatoes, there is a price to be paid. If you're a student and you want to make good grades, you have to pay the price of studying or pay the price of bribing the teacher, one or the other. Want to be married? You've got to pay the price of your independence. Here's what I'm saying. In one form or another, there is always a price to be paid. Every now and again, however, we stumble upon a situation in life where we are able to purchase or acquire something of great value for far less than what it would have actually been appraised for. We refer to this as getting a real deal or a bargain. Maybe you're an extreme couponer and you can get a week's worth of groceries for $19.95. Or maybe you're buying a house and the owner is so motivated to get rid of the house that he or she agrees to let you have it for only 80% of what the going market value is. You found a bargain. In the scripture, we find many examples of outstanding bargains that God has set up for us, his people outstanding deals in which what we receive is more valuable than the price that we pay for it. For example, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek, crave, and require of necessity my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. What a great deal! God has agreed to hear us, forgive us, and heal our land. And all it costs us is our pride, wickedness, 
and self-centeredness. We didn't even need those things in the first place. So let's take God up on that offer right away. Let's apply that principle to our lives. How about Isaiah 61 and 3? It says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I don't know about you, but to me, those all sound like outstanding trades. Lord, you'll take these ashes and give me beauty? Well, yeah, take them, Lord. You'll take my sense of loss, bereavement, and mourning and give me joy? Sold. And then God says, how about this lovely garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness you got there? Sounds good to me, Lord. I accept. It's a done deal. Let's trade, Lord. I'm so thankful that our God knows how to give good gifts to his children. And I'm so happy to be one of his children. Then there's Luke 6 and 38. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible, by the way. Give, and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will they pour into the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe and used as a bag. For with the measure you deal out, with the measure you use when you confer benefits on others, it will be measured back to you. So how about this deal? Give, and it will come back to you even greater than what you gave? Now, economically, that just doesn't seem to make sense. How is God able to make such generous deals with his children? You ever wonder that? How can he afford to be so generous with his resources, with his joy, peace, and his righteousness, his mercy, beauty, forgiveness, and healing? Well, here's how. He owns the factories. That's right. He has unlimited supplies. Our Heavenly Father has all the joy, mercy, peace, righteousness, resources, forgiveness, gentleness, and love that you and I will ever need. In fact, He invented this stuff, and we have favor with Him. Now, in any transaction, I'm sure you'll agree, there's nothing like having the inside connection, right? Having a guy on the inside who can hook you up. Everyone wants to be able to say, hey, you need one of those? Hey, I know a guy. But wait, you may be thinking you said that everything has a cost. So how about God's unmerited favor? Doesn't unmerited basically mean free? Something that isn't earned, deserved, or purchased? Well, yes, but I'm not actually being contradictory. We have another type of outstanding bargain to talk about. Have you ever been blessed by someone in the pay it forward movement? A few years ago, my wife, Diane, and I were in the line at the Hardee's drive-thru. We placed our order, but when we got to the window and the cashier gave us our food, she didn't ask us for a form of payment. Why? Well, because the person in the car just ahead of us had already paid the price for us. He or she, we didn't know who it was, was paying it forward, choosing to be a blessing on purpose. We kindly and thankfully accepted the stranger's generosity. We had what appeared to be a free meal. It was a blessing, unmerited favor from a stranger. But think about it for a moment. It seemed to be a free meal. And our meal was indeed unmerited favor and didn't cost my wife or me anything. However, it wasn't truly free, was it? No, it wasn't. Because someone, someone in the car ahead of us, had to pay the price. It may have been free to us, but the cost that Hardy's demanded had to be paid. 
and it had been paid. We didn't pay the price. We were just the recipients of what was purchased. Do you see? That kind of deal is an example of when something is purchased for you. There is a cost, even a great cost, but you're not the one who pays for it. It's not your money, it's not your work, and it's not your sacrifice, but instead that of a benevolent stranger, or maybe a friend, or mother, or father, or a heavenly father. But one way or the other, there is always a cost. There is always a price, always a bill. Prior to making Jesus the Lord of our life, before accepting him as our Savior, we have all of these products, all these goods, these items that we don't actually need. Really worthless things like transgressions, guilt, iniquities, turmoil, sickness, incompleteness, emptiness. And in order for us to have received deliverance from these, just as always, there was a cost. The price had to be paid. You see, the scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. It also tells us that we were all born into sin. So the price for our sins and all that goes along with sin, like death, emptiness, incompleteness, and sickness, was death. And our heads were on the chopping block. In the words of an Alvin Slaughter song, Justice demanded satisfaction. The law had been broken again and again. Judgment required immediate action. And death wanted payment for sin. But mercy refused. And love took my place. There on the cross where justice met grace. Mercy refused to let me die. Jesus the Lamb was crucified. Though rightfully death wanted me, mercy refused. It was not us, not I, who paid the price, but Yeshua the Messiah, my Jesus, who paid it. He was the stranger in line ahead of us some 2,000 years ago. He paid the price. He paid it forward for you and for me and for all those whosoevers who would believe. Isaiah 53.5, speaking prophetically of Jesus the Messiah, tells us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. He was chastised to obtain peace and well-being for us. And by the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Ultimately, Jesus paid the price. He died so that we don't have to. He suffered and bled on the cross for us. Even though death, even though the grave was what I deserved, he took the keys to death in the grave and decided, even though I deserved death in the grave, that I could go free. And mercy indeed refused. Oh, mercy refused. John three seventeen through 18 tells us, For God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, and to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. He who believes in him, who clings to, trusts in, and relies on him, Jesus, is not judged. He who trusts in him never comes up for judgment. For him, there is no rejection, no condemnation. He incurs no damnation. But he who does not believe, who does not cling to, rely on, and trust in him, is judged already. He has already been convicted and has already received his sentence. 
because he has not believed in and trusted in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He is condemned for refusing to let his trust rest in Christ's name. We hear so often in today's world, anytime someone is trying to simply relay the idea of morality, hey, don't judge me. Who are you to judge? You can't judge me. Well, let me explain. I have no need to judge you. I have no desire to judge you. And even if I did, it doesn't matter. The one doing the judging is you. If you don't believe, as this scripture tells us, you have already judged yourself. You have already condemned yourself due to your unbelief. You've already been convicted and you've already received your sentence. And you're on your way to having that sentence carried out. John 3.16 tells us what the sentence is. God loved the world so much that whosoever believes in him would not perish, come to destruction, but receive everlasting life. So if those who believe receive everlasting life, the obvious implication is that those who do not believe, well, they continue on the natural path that they're on in this fallen world, which is that of destruction, that of eternal separation, that of death. Now why would anyone knowingly and willingly choose death when Jesus already paid that price for every one of us? Who will just believe. Now today, maybe you're faced with circumstances that seem to have you bound and you don't see any way out of them. The other people in your life say, you know, you've made a lot of mistakes. You'll never dig your way out of this hole. And the voice of justice says, you're going to get buried alive and your past mistakes will be your grave. But God's mercy says, no, I defeated the grave on your behalf. I've paid the price for those mistakes. So step out of that hole. Don't even hang out anywhere near the cemetery. But maybe your employer says, you'll never be able to move up in your career. You just don't have the education or the skills that are needed. You're a failure. You didn't go to the right school. You didn't have any friends or family in the business. You're going to stay right here in your current little position until you die or until you retire. Oh, but God, God, our provider, our Jehovah Jireh, his mercy says, no, you can advance. I am equipping and empowering you for higher levels. When my favor shines on you, no shadow will be able to remove the light. When I'm ready to move you up, no one will be able to stop you. You're not stuck here. Go ahead and pick out that corner office. It's got your name on it. Or maybe your issue is that your former relationships keep texting your brain and saying, remember how badly it ended? Remember how terribly it hurt when you lost me? You'll never get over me. You'll never love again. When I did what I did to you, I trapped you. You're going to be alone and lonely and forsaken forever. Oh, but God... Our Jehovah Rapha, our healer, his mercy says, no, I will turn bad endings into great beginnings. I'll turn your mourning into dancing. You'll get over them because you're under the blood. I'll show you love at the next level. That ex may think he or she has you bound, but I'm setting you loose. You can still go free, my child. 
Or maybe your banker says, you don't have enough. Oh, but the mercy of El Shaddai says, nope, I'm the God of more than enough. And I'm your father. And that's where the fun part comes in. You get to look the banker straight in the eye and tell him who's your daddy. (laughs) And the enemy, you know, the enemy wants people to think you can't be used by God. You'll never be able to minister on any serious level. I'm going to hold you hostage within the four walls of your little old-fashioned dying church for the rest of your life. But if you'll pay really close attention, you may just hear the voice of God saying, No way. Pick up a hammer, you're going to be instrumental in building my kingdom. Friends, here's the key. We are not recipients of mercy because of the purchases that you and I have made. Rather, we're the recipient of mercy because of the purchase that God has made. It was a business transaction that took place 2,000 years ago at the store of Calvary. Roman soldiers played the part of the store clerks and they stapled, well, nailed, your receipt, God's only son, to death's invoice, a cross made of wood, and it will stand forever as a contract numbered J316 for everyone who believes, for everyone who clings to, trusts in, and relies on him. Though rightfully death wanted me, mercy refused. When everyone else in your life says, yes, you're a failure, Yes, it's true. You're not good enough. Yes, I can confirm by looking right here in your account. You don't have enough. Also, I've seen your record. You're not smart enough. You're not educated enough. Just remember, when you come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, all those yeses are canceled out by a firm and boisterous no. So very quickly before I end, If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're looking for freedom today, I'm giving you the opportunity to receive it right now. Or or maybe you're already a born-again Christian, but you want to make a fresh commitment. You just want to recommit to being on God's best path for your life. If that's you, if that's the situation you find yourself in, will you pray this prayer with me? Just say, Dear Father God, please come into my life. I confess and I turn away from all of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. And from this moment on, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer just now and you meant it in your heart, I believe you became born again. It's important that you tie in with a good Bible-believing church. If you need help in finding one, send me an email. Either way, Drop me a note and let me know that you became born again today. I want to help you to start this new journey in the best way possible. Until next time, stay hostile towards darkness and aggressive in love for one another and for God. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.